The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You're listening to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine and online at KUCI.org. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. She sits on the advisory board of the State of California Office of Privacy Protection, and she's also a sheriff reserve here in Orange County. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues, and you may have seen her on TV on Dateline, NBC, CNN, ABC, 48 Hours, O'Reilly, Raldo, Montel, and lots of other shows. So to learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kci.org slash privacypiracy. Evening, Murray. Good evening. Who's your guest tonight? Well, this is fun. Sometimes, you know, the world is such a small place. You know, I have been on uh, Bogey's radio show, and Bogey and I have been on TV together. And he has another friend who's a radio show host who was talking to him about her business identity theft. And he said, you know, why don't you give Mari a call? And so Muggsy called me, a very brave woman, a Even though she was victimized, she is a victor. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Muggsy is also known as Muggsy or Sam. And she's been working successfully in internet radio for over nine years. She's an author, professional medium, and a radio host. And recently, she has been the victim of cyber and business identity theft. Now, you've heard in the news about all sorts of different kinds of identity theft. But the biggest, the fastest growing type of identity theft is really cyber and business identity theft. Now, Muggsy has agreed to share her story, what she's done, what worked, what doesn't work, so she can help people so they don't have to experience this, or at least they'll know the ropes, and we'll help to explain that as well. She started out working uh, an hour a week on her first website known as Live Advice, At that time, she'd been teaching part-time at two community colleges in the discipline of business, marketing, and computers. She was a faculty member for seven and a half years. Although her passion was teaching, she had a calling to start as a, uh, a psychic advisor on the Internet. She has some real talents and intuition, and she decided to use it. So her popularity grew quickly, and the need to teach full-time waned. So she was able to give more time to callers and who were looking for authentic, intelligent medium readings and life coaching skills. So that kind of led her to want to get involved in having a uh, psychic website known as predictmyfuture.com. And then again, as she got more exposure, she started, she had a radio show. And she has a radio show on crni.net. And that airs every Sunday morning from 10 to 11. And she's also working uh, recently with a co-host, Mark Nelson, 
who was helping her to promote the gifts of mediumship readings. And I was so excited to hear about this. I'm, I'm dying to have a reading with her myself. And in her spare time, she helps law enforcement on cold cases, and she works with terminally ill patients to help them by providing intuitive health readings. And also, if there is no hope for them, when needed, she helps them to prepare to go on to the other side. So we are so thrilled that she's joining us tonight. And if you want to learn more about her, you can go to Muggsy. Dot com and she'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. So thank you so much, Muggsy, for joining us. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so glad that we're finally able to do this. This is great. Yeah, but- this is going to be fun. My goal is really to help people and bring uh, to the forefront what is really going on with the Internet and identity theft and how they can protect themselves. Well, you know, we talked before about how many people are victimized by identity theft in different ways. In fact, the Gartner study said that there were 15 million new victims last year. So not everybody becomes a victor like you have been. And it takes a lot of fortitude and a lot of thinking and a lot of gump and a lot of motivation. So why don't you start out and tell us how did this all start? First of all, anytime you're working with a website, you are going to be drawing to yourself potential hackers. Um, there is no regulation for webmasters or uh, web designers. Their uh, IP addresses are not registered. They're not monitored. And they have their own little click. And they even have websites that they go to where they can get information on how to hack what software to use. They have software hidden on banks that you can go and download for free. And it's like this inner group of thievery that's going on that most people are unaware of. Underground, right? Absolutely. And when you become a webmaster, one of the things that they teach each other is you always put a back door into a website so that you can get back into it in the event that you're terminated or you want to wreak havoc, basically. Right, if you want revenge or something, huh? Exactly. And all you have to do is is end up with one person that's mad at you. And if you own a business or are trying to run a business, you know you're going to tick people off. But I, I did some research on psychopaths, and there is one out of, one, uh, out of every hundred people that is considered a psychopath. So that is somebody that can destroy your life and think that it's funny. They have no remorse, no guilt, nothing. They think that you had it coming to you because you let them go or they didn't get their way or their pay raise. Right. So let's talk specifically your story so people understand in a, in a, in a real-life context what exactly happened to you. I had somebody help me with my website when I first started. I was up front, and I said, I'm just starting a company. I don't have much money. She said, don't worry about it. I'm just going to design something simple for you and get it started, and then you can take it over. And so what she ended up doing was she got a template off of monstertemplates.com. Find this person who was going to prepare your website. It was a business associate who had another website, and this person applied for their 
position and then he didn't hire her and so he referred her to me that she could help out uh, she had just gone through a divorce she was at home she didn't have anything going she was bored she wanted something to do to just keep her mind op- occupied so I was very upfront with her and I said I don't have money I can't pay you all I want is a template And she said well let me do something a little bit more for you I'll just throw something up then you can take it over well, what I didn't know at the time was that when somebody is putting up a website for you, they are getting all the passwords. They're getting all the back doors in place. They're getting access to your DNS numbers, to your IP numbers, to your hosting companies, everything. So they basically are putting themselves in a position of power. And they can also monitor all your emails because through your hosting company, you can tap into everybody's email accounts and start reading them. From there, you can get everybody's IP address. From there, you track their MAC address. So your IP address is what you have when you're online, and your MAC address is your computer address. So once she had that, then she was able to start hacking. And this took about two months, and I started noticing that Uh, My computer, well, I used to teach computers, so I know the sign of when you've been hacked. And my mouse would move by itself. Pages would come up that I've never been on before. I would start to put a name in a browser to look something up, like to report it. And the name would change in the browser. So she had complete control over my computer. I ended up downloading Norton and ran a Norton scan, and they came up with like 228 high-level Trojans on my computer. Oh, my gosh. And I'm not talking about cookies. You know, when you go to talk to the police or something, they think, oh, yeah, you just have a cookie. I know the difference between a cookie and a Trojan. Okay, I'm- so let's let's explain to our audience what the difference is between a cookie and a Trojan so that they, you know, I think... I want to stop for a second before we do that and just go back and say, when you hired this woman, you had hired because you were relying on somebody's reference, right? This other person that you knew. And that's what's so scary because you trusted that this other person was making a positive referral, right? Exactly. But when you're working with a webmaster, it's better to get a referral. Sure. Than to get somebody out of the newspaper. So I went into this intelligently. I analyzed my situation, and I tried to figure out the best way to get somebody. And then I thought, well, let's just try her, see how it works out, see how the personalities work. And then once I get the company up and going, then I can offer her a full-time job. Yeah, let me stop for just a second. Is there like a an organization like an association of webmasters that's considered really the best of the best is there something out there that people who are considered ethical want to belong to a certain organization no it's it's no it's like russian roulette okay yeah the one thing that i would recommend if anybody is looking for a good webmaster is Pick somebody that lives close to you so that you have eye contact with them. They see your face, and you can work with them. Plus, in the event that they do something criminally, 
your police are right there, your attorneys are right there, and you don't have to go searching state to state to try to nail this person down. Yeah, and there's another thing that, while you're saying this, that that people should think about. Because Muggsy is talking about how much power they really have and how vulnerable the business owner is, it's very important that you get a background check on these people. And that is one thing that you should definitely do. And you can go to someplace like choicepoint.com and you can actually get a background check and tell the person, you know, I want a background check on you. You even have the right to get their credit report. If you're going to hire somebody and give them access, you have the right to do that and get several references. I'm very fortunate because my webmaster happens to be in my sheriff reserve unit. So, so like that's, you said, that's really lucky because not only is he local, but he's part of the sheriff's association. So, yeah, it, I that's mean, the way to go. But um, I've been on uh, Rent a Coder where you can go and you can rent somebody to do certain pieces of your website, but then you go to upload those files, and there's a back door in them. Right, right. And, and they hide these back doors, so it would take a, a magnifying glass and many, many hours to go through each file to try to find where they put the back door in. Right, right. And so, even if somebody starts out good in the beginning, which I've had happen, a year later, when they want to start manipulating you and controlling you, then that's when they start uh, putting the back doors in, and they share it with their buddies. You know, Muggsy, there was a, a study recently said that 60% of the identity theft and hacking comes from dirty insiders. I believe it's higher than that. Yeah. Because what happens is is that, okay, let's say that you have a webmaster. They have control of your database. And as a business owner, I believe most business owners take a fiduciary obligation and duty to make sure that, that people's, their customers' information stays private. Right. Okay, so you're fighting to keep that private. You invest in whatever it takes to keep it private, and then you end up with a webmaster that can go in, download all the ad information, and then share it with his buddies. Exactly. And that's exactly what they do. Not only that, but there are companies out on the Internet. One is called HackerSafe that you pay $5,000 worth to make sure that your website is secure. They don't work nights. They don't work weekends, and in the event that you are being hacked, so most business owners will know when they're being hacked because there's attempts made to their servers, and they know. Right. You can't get a hold of anybody to help you because they don't come in until Monday morning. Right, right. On top of that, they don't even do the research. They do not stay current on hacking events. What I would do is, with my website, I would be hacked multiple different styles and different ways. I would have to go do the research, tell my hosting company what's going on so that they could do whatever, put whatever, whatever mechanisms in place to secure my server. And then I'd have to go tell HackerSafe so that HackerSafe would be able to keep it. So you're doing the work for them? Absolutely, and they're billing me. Oh, that is so ridiculous. Yeah. I, and especially because we look to our hosting company to screen out things, don't we? I mean, that's what I do. I mean, I think that that's what they're going to do is that they're going to do something to give me alarms and protect me. 
And some some hosting companies, you can't get a hold of them. You can't respond. You only can respond through an email. I would call hosting companies up and tell them, look, this is what's going on. Here's the reports. Here's the evidence to support what I'm claiming. And they would tell me it's impossible, that you can't do that. Well, tell me, how did she get to be so techie? How did she get to have, is it just by going through these websites and going to these hacking websites and spending her time doing that? Absolutely. You can go, there's websites that are, I believe there's one called hackersrus.com. Or you right, can I've Google seen it. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they tell you how to hack. And Norton McAfee Black Ice, which is supposed to keep your uh, computer secure and safe, if you have somebody that's after you, they your hacker can go to one of those sites and find out how to get through Norton. That was the first one she hacked on me, was Norton, and got through. And then I was later told by another webmaster who also had some hacking abilities but knew how to protect it, um, was telling me that those three right there are usually hacked the most because they're the biggest. Right, right, because they know that most people use those. Exactly. So what hackers do is on the weekend, they don't have anything to do. They grab a couple of beers, they all get together, and they start to hack. And that's what they do for fun. Okay, so let's talk about exactly what she did when she hacked you. And this was after she worked for you for what, a couple months or what? Yeah, for a couple of months. I started noticing that um, I had a spyware on my computer, uh, Keylogger Pro 3.2. So she was actually taking my keystrokes and sending them to herself. And then she was taking pictures of my monitor and then matching my monitor screens up with my keystrokes to be able to figure out what my passwords were. Now, where was she? She was, you said she didn't live nearby. Did you say she was on the East Coast and you're on the West Coast? Correct. She's in Washington, D.C. Did you ever meet her in person? No, I never did. I never did. So just what did you give her that allowed, I mean, what, what, I'd, what um, you know, what facts did you provide to her that she was able to get into that by giving her, her your passwords? Is that how it started? Yeah, she was managing the server. So because that's what webmasters do, they right. have to upload to your server. Well, then she was going on to my server and she was getting, like, you have to um, be, okay, so she would switch me from servers and by doing so, she'd find out where my DNS was registered. And on there, you have your URLs. For instance, www.mugsy.com. So what she had set up a plan to do was to hijack my website. And her purpose in doing that was to make that website hers or help Correct. us understand? She wanted to make it her own. She was going to hold me hostage, and then if I didn't succumb to whatever her demand was, she was just going to rip it off and steal it as her own. Okay, so what were her demands to you? In other words, she she started with this this key logging software, which so she could capture your your strokes and then get into things like could she get into your bank account too? Oh, then? absolutely! She got into my bank accounts, credit card accounts, everything. Okay, um, so she had. Did she have your passwords? Then. Well, obviously, if she was, if she was um, looking at your keylogging strokes, then she could find out what your passwords were. Right, exactly. exactly. And so then she went into your bank accounts and she was transferring money from, 
from your bank account to her bank account, or what was she doing? No, she was transferring it to a bank in Los Angeles. And then seven of my other girls that are on my website who are in different states also was having money wired out of their bank account to the same bank in Los Angeles and then wired to Egypt. Okay, so let me kind of clarify something so that people understand. You're saying that she used the key logging strokes to take money and wire the money from your account to a, a, an account in Los Angeles. And under whose name was that account? Some guy, I don't know. I don't know. That information isn't released. See, here's the problem is that as I was in, involved in this and investigating it, you will find that people, businesses will not work with you because of the liability issue. Some of my hosting companies would be hacked so bad that within two months they would sell their business because they knew the lawsuits were coming in. I had Zone Alarm on my computer. Zone Alarm is an awesome software to have on your computer. It will lock down your computer. It will tell you when you have a high-level security breach, what packets it's carrying, if it's a Trojan or a gateway device or a worm. The problem with Zone Alarm is that when your computer's been hacked, it's going to be deleted. So now you have to go to Zone Alarm to get the report. They will not issue the report because now they're liable. Well, wait a minute. Now, now, let me see if we can use these the California laws, for example, and the federal laws. Now, and, and I don't know if you know this or if the people who are listening, but just in the last couple of years, we have now a, a California statute that allows a business to be a victim of identity theft, and that is in the penal code now. So if now, besides just being a person, a business can claim identity theft, they then can access all of the same opportunities to get data. So as a victim, a business victim or an individual victim, under 530.8 of the penal code, you can demand that companies provide evidence of all of the identity theft, and they have to give it to you within 30 days. Okay, I love that law, but the problem is, is who's going to enforce it? You have to get a police report. Yes, it, you have to get a police report first to do it. Okay, yeah. Fresno, where I live, has one guy that manages Internet crime. Even though the crime is at a supposedly, or supposedly 90-something percent, we have one guy. And I've been told that unless somebody's been murdered on the Internet, there is no way they're going to go after somebody. They close the file. So as soon as you open up a police report, within a week to two weeks, they will close that report and do no investigation whatsoever. They say it's closed because they don't have the time to get to it. Right. And that's another really important thing. If you're a large company and you can prove a huge hacking, and you have the political power, so to speak, then the law enforcement agencies are going to address the issue. However, in a place like Fresno, where you say there's one guy and there's all sorts of stuff going on, he just doesn't have the resources, he doesn't have the help, so the only thing he'll really do for you is give you an informational report and then do no more. Is that correct? He um, wouldn't even return my phone calls. But he did provide you an informational report, giving you an, a written report, right? 
he opened up a report and then closed it. Right. So, but and I, mean, I got no nothing after that. No. But you do have a copy of that original report, correct? I have copies, yes. Yes. So that's all you need because what what has happened Everybody knows, with 15 million new victims a year, everybody knows that you are not going to get law enforcement to be able to investigate unless you have a huge, huge dollar amount of loss or there's myriad victims. That's that's the bottom line. It's not good. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but it is the reality. So well, if an informational report, if you send that informational report that police report with the demand you have a right to get copies or get access to the fraud that was committed so we can talk more about that later but meanwhile these companies did not want to provide you anything is that correct Muggsy? That's correct and my attorney wrote to Zone Alarm and demanded those reports and he was told that they would not issue those reports unless there was an active lawsuit. Right, because he didn't use the law that I'm talking about. He he demanded it, but they are not aware, and maybe your attorney wasn't aware of this law, that you have that right without a lawsuit. That was the whole reason that we, and actually I, I worked on that law, so that was the whole reason that we did this, because most victims could not get attorneys to take their cases. So that you should be able to get that, but they're going to tell you, just like they, those of you who are listening, they're going to tell you you can't have it without filing a lawsuit and then subpoenaing us. That is not the truth. They'll tell you that, and it's aggravating and it's frustrating because Muggsy has a right to get all that documentation, but they're going to say no because they don't want to have to give it up because they may be liable for something that they did. They actually require a victim to be hacked. 847 times from one IP address. What do you mean? How do you know that? I know that because I was hacked that many times, and before they will report it or investigate it or act on it, you have to be hacked, high-level security, with evidence showing that that they were carrying a packet and trying to deposit a Trojan on your computer 847 times from one single IP address. Oh, my gosh. I had five. And they still would not address me. I spent, and what, what, what does their contract with you say that they will do? They're supposed to report it. To, when you buy to, your software, they tell you that they will report it. To whom? To whom? They, they, don't, they don't specify. They yeah. Don't. yeah, so that but, helps. <laughs> yeah, so when I tried to pressure them, what, they, what I started doing was they would send me through a merry-go-round of people. And I know we've all dealt with it, where they have you call this guy. Oh, you need to call Bob. Oh, you need to call Sally. Oh, right. you need. So I would spend a month calling all these people. Meanwhile, I'm being hacked. My home computer is being hacked because it's a home-based business. Right. My girls' computers are all being hacked. We're having money being wired out. Okay, so let me just stop. The girls that work for you as other mediums, correct? Yeah, they, they're other psychics. Right. Yeah. And they they had they were working through your computer or through their own, and they were hacked because of your the key logging that went out to their computers, or how did they get hacked as well? She when they registered, okay, she's a webmaster, so they registered on my website. Right. She got all their IP addresses. Oh. So when I terminated my relationship with her because 
she was hacking me, and she uh, gave me an ultimatum. She ended up uh, hacking everybody. Now, tell me what the ultimatum was. She wanted $127,000 for the website. What do you mean? For you to buy the website from her? What do you mean? She claimed that her website was an original design and was $127,000 worth of work for two months of work. Oh, she was saying that the value of what the work she did was 127000 that you didn't pay her? Correct. But you didn't even have an agreement with her for payment, right? Nope. So she turned around and found a junk fax attorney in Maryland who sued me for the website for 127000 I proved that it was a template. I had a copy of the template. I did spend $2,000 with that attorney, got the case dropped. Six months later, he Did sued- you go back and sue them for malicious prosecution or anything like that? Or, or No, t- because I'm still trying to take care of my website, right. my server, my home computer still being hacked. Um, my, my identity was spread all over the internet. So now people with my driver's license opening up credit cards and I'm getting calls every day Dell computer calls me up hey did you just buy a $5,000 computer no so then I'm having to report all this get all my accounts locked down change my banking account information closing all my credit cards and then meanwhile I'm being sued Muggsy let me ask you something when these accounts were open were they open in your name personally or were they opened in your business account the one they were my personal okay that's easier actually to remedy than being open in your business account and i just for anyone who is going through this right now i just want to tell you that you have a right to put a security freeze on your credit profile with the three credit bureaus And that basically will not let any new creditor get access to your credit report for the purpose of issuing you credit. So at least for getting credit or mortgages or loans, you can stop the fraud. You can't stop the fraud like Muggsy if they they have her driver's license and her social security number. You can't stop the fraud if somebody wants to work in your name or if they want to get other governmental benefits or medical care, or things like that. But anything that would appear on your credit report, you can stop by putting a security freeze on your credit report. If you're a victim, by the way, Muggsy, it is absolutely free to put a freeze on, and they give you a password. And I I, want to tell people that, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm not going to get on the Internet. I want you to know that if, in the event that somebody calls you up and you know somebody's using your identity to buy stuff, this is what you do. You go to your local police department on the Internet. You make a police report right on the Internet. You print it out and you send it to the any of the credit Experian, reporting companies. Yeah. Just one of them. You report it instantly, and within 30 minutes, you can have all your accounts locked down. Well, it, it doesn't always work that way and there are some dangers in that to be honest with you but again if somebody's doing your key logging and into and hacking your computer it's a little scary to try and do that because they might divert it but usually you have to put everything in writing return receipt requested and then when you do that 
they they are going to allow you to put the security freeze on and lock everything down. You can try that, but the problem when you do that online is you give up your right to sue them if they make up any errors. I don't know if you know that, but their privacy policy, if you do any dealings with the three credit bureaus online, the privacy policy has hidden in it that you agree by doing this to give up your right to sue and only arbitrate. So that's why I tell people never to do it online, to do it if you want to do overnight mail, if you want to do FedEx, it's probably a lot safer and protect you for the future. I faxed all my stuff over. Yeah. And, and again, they, you have to have something that shows that they got it because I have seen depositions where the credit bureaus have literally not been truthful and they said, we never got this information. That's why we are always suggesting, and the Federal Trade Commission says, always send return receipt requested. And if you don't get that receipt in the mail, then somebody didn't get it or they're going to say they didn't get it. So at least you have some proof because if you do have to go forward, you have to have proof. And this is just overwhelming. I just want to introduce Muggsy again so everybody who's listening can, to this horror story and this woman who's so brave to go through it. Muggsy is a, uh, she's not only an author and a professional medium and a radio host, but she is a survivor and a victor of cyber and business identity theft. You can hear by listening to her that she's very knowledgeable about computers and has really investigated and researched to see what's going on. Let me ask you, Muggs, you were talking about that law enforcement didn't think you knew the difference between a cookie and a Trojan. And maybe there's some people listening that don't know the difference between a cookie or a Trojan or some other kind of malware. Can you explain? Well, when I, okay, a cookie is something that when you go to a website, they will put a cookie onto your IP address so that they can follow you around to see where you go, who you shop with, and it's something that's really easily done. If you have Adware... Well, let me, let me stop you, too. Some cookies are good. Like, for example, if you have a cookie on, let's say you, you uh, book hotel with Starwood a lot because you travel. They will put a cookie that that will help them recognize you so that when you go there, you can immediately do business with them or the same thing with your bank. So usually I delete all cookies except for those companies that I deal with all the time online like Bank of America or American Express or something like that. So cookies are not always nasty things. They help to recognize you. So you could get rid of all cookies, but then it takes a little bit longer to deal with the, your usual vendors. Now explain the, the bad stuff. Okay. Well, you can have a Trojan, and a Trojan is, you know, the wood horse, and when it opens up, that's where the bad stuff is. Right. And right. even when I was talking to the FBI, I was talking about some of the software that I had on my computer, and the gentleman that I was talking to said, that's impossible. You can't get that on your computer. So what kind of software were you talking about? It was a Trojan that took um, over my, it, it gave me a gateway device. And she made my computer a slave, and she was the master of my computer. Right. So by doing that, she could lock me out of my own websites. She could, um, she, she just had total control. But what happened? Is that okay. kind of like? I mean, I I have a very good friend who is my computer consultant, and he actually 
does my service for me, you know, servicing my computer for my business. He does it on a monthly basis, and he doesn't have to come. He does it remotely. So it's not that strange for someone to do that. It's almost like the old PC anywhere, you know, that you can have someone that you trust, and hopefully it's someone who's going to be honest, that will do things to your computer to make sure that it's updated and that it's serviced correctly. And, I mean, I have a service that does that. So I don't see why the FBI would say that that is so strange it can't happen because it happened with my authority. Because what if you have Norton or McAfee, they shut those down. But what hackers are doing now is that when they send you a package, it's not in its entirety you get like a portion of that spyware and then they compile it once it's inside that's why they need to have control that guy was probably a slave and you still were the master of your computer that's how he was being able to get access but she was the master so once she gave me all the different bits and pieces then she was able to go in and reconstruct it and make it into the monster that it needed to be. Let me ask you, Muggsy, did she give you a resume so that it would show you that she was really pretty adept at all this stuff? She has a website that was up that's like her resume. Uh-huh. Um, and I won't give it to you because as soon as you go on to her website, she's got your IP address and then she'll start hacking. Okay, you. okay. So but, I'm not going to yeah, give that Yeah, good idea, out. but... But so she gave that to you and said, look at this. Here's my, it's like me. You know, I don't have a, a brochure that I send out like I did 20 years ago. People want to know. I tell them, hey, you know, go to marifrank.com or, exactly. you know, go to identitytheft.org. Just so, you know, because you have everything there. Why should you send it out? Plus, so that's what she did to you. She said, hey, you know, here's my background. Here's everything. It's right on my website, right? Right. Plus, they're supposed to be webmasters, so you want to go and see what their exactly. abilities are. You've got to visualize it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but what I didn't bargain for was that she was a psychopath and that she uh, was going to uh, hold me hostage. Let Not me only did she go after my personal income, my personal assets, she also went after my business, and on top of that, she kept me really busy on top of that with lawsuits, because then she started suing me again in Washington, D.C. Now, let me ask you, that's what I was just going to ask you about. Let's kind of step back for that first lawsuit when she asked for money. Did you provide to the court, did your attorney provide to the court a, a cross-claim for um, anything, you know, for, no. for, for, well, that was something. I mean, you would think that he would have provided a cross-claim for various actions that she, you know, basically uh, took things from you. No, he didn't do anything. Well, but that was a, Did he know about all this stuff? Yeah, I told him. I even sent him a floppy disk of, the gate, of one of the gateway devices that I took off my computer so that he could see it. If he opened it up, then she was in his computer, so she probably, he probably didn't. But no, he never did anything like that, and he wanted me to sue in California. So I was actually trying to get underneath my feet and being able to get momentum again. But meanwhile, you have to know, I was being hacked every two to four seconds. She actually turned my computer into an audio recording device. Because I wasn't sending emails anymore. I wasn't on the instant message. She tried to um, impersonate me on the web as Psychic Muggsy. Oh, my God. 
So my attorney had to then send a letter to Yahoo to let them know that she was doing this, and he sh- and they shut down her account. But um, on top of all that, she now was that the same attorney that that did uh, that protected you in that breach of contract suit? Um, no, that was an attorney in Maryland. This is my California attorney. Is okay. He helped my California attorney has been with me through the whole thing for the last four years. He's had privy to all the information. And when my other lawsuit went down in Washington, D.C. Now, which which lawsuit was that? She's now suing me for the website that's up today, that she created it and now wanted a half million dollars for it because I had infringed on copyright. But she had lost that first lawsuit saying that it was... It wasn't really um, hers, right? That that exactly. it was just a template. So it it was dropped. So now she's suing me, and this is like four lo- four websites later. She's never been on it. Um, predict my future. I always get templates, and I pay for them so that in the event that a webmaster tries to say that they created your website, you can go look here. It's a template. But it cost me $44,000 in court to prove that she was lying, and the case got dropped. And then no one sued her for malicious prosecution on that one? No, because part of the reason why she was willing to drop the case was that I wouldn't go back and sue her. And I just wanted to be done with her. I'd been terrorized by her for three years. Oh, my God. Talk about terrorism, huh? Yeah, this is American terrorism. If there is somebody out there that wants to hack you, they have all the power and control. Now, have there been other people that have been victimized by her? um, Well, for example, the the women that work for you, that that they were hacked. Did she do more? Did she do more? How many were there of those people? There probably is about 35 or 36 that I know of. At the time, I had over 90 different girls on my side. No, but I mean of the ones who were hacked by her. I, I know for a fact about 35. 35 were hacked by her? And, and they went through five computers in two years because when you are being hacked, your computers go out. Your, your now, did they all go to law enforcement with you and make a big fuss about it and say there's at least 35 of us that have been victimized? They went to law enforcement in their own area. Okay, now that that would be another thing. Did... did did, if all of you went to the Federal Trade Commission to talk to their sentinel? We tried that. We, I'm telling you, we wrote, uh, even there's... Or the FBI, did the FBI say, hey, well, there's 35 of you? No. no My one attorney w- ended up contacting the FBI, because we have an office right here in Fresno, and he contacted them, and uh, they just blew him off. They, they wouldn't even return his phone calls or anything. Um, he finally contacted... Uh, Kenneth Gong, who was the one detective here in Fresno, who's now out on job-related uh, injury, I think. So there's nobody even policing Internet crime in Fresno. But he ended up contacting Kenneth Gong, and Kenneth Gong would call me back and brought me into his office. And um, what happened was is that because a bank was used, I had contacted um, the FBI prosecuting attorney, somebody through there, who actually got me involved with somebody that takes all the lawsuits for the FBI. She was on a board of directors with banks 
contacted this one bank, gave him all the information, and he wrote back within 15 minutes and said, yes, I want all the information she has. So what bank is that? I'm not going to tell oh, you. Oh, okay. It's so is that bank, bank now? And I, and I believe that they are acting very dutifully, so I don't want them to have a black eye. Well, actually, they're, they're the ones who would sound good if they're doing something. Well, they absolutely are, and they got Homeland Security involved. Great. Once Homeland Security got involved in Washington, D.C., not some little office, then all of a sudden the FBI contacts the police, and the police detective contacts me and goes, you have to get in here ASAP. <laughs> so when did that happen? Did that happen recently? That happened back in June. So what, you know, so now what's happening? Well, right now I don't know because, like I said, the one police detective that's here in Fresno uh, is out on job-related injury. You can't get a hold of him. Nobody else is taking anything. I saved two hard drives, and I have 12 binders of information of all the facts that I have and the copies of all the hacking, and um, I don't know where it's at. I don't know what's being done with it. Nobody's trying it. Nobody's doing anything with it. Now, the bank that is helping you, is that a bank um, is that the same bank that money was stolen from your account? Yeah. Okay. No. This was where money was taken out of our accounts and resided in one bank in L.A. It's that bank. It's that bank? Yes. Okay. And then, and then the money was transferred from that bank to Egypt, you said? Yes. Seven girls who are all in different states, some of them don't even know each other. What is the likelihood? The only common thread was this web designer. And how much money was stolen altogether? I couldn't tell you. Um, in the thousands. Okay. In so the- it all, all of the money was diverted into this account in this other man's name that... Um, Correct. And how do, you, how do you know that it was um, someone... Was there some way that you found out that that man was affiliated with this former employee of yours? Um, it was just a name. It probably was a stolen identity set up, uh, an account set up in this guy's oh, name. Oh, just a shell name, yeah. That's yeah, really I, her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, she pinged off of other people's computers, so she hid her identity very well. Um, I traced her back to as many as 33 computers that she was pinging off of trying to lose her trace. And when you mean by pinging, you mean that she would go and be almost like a zombie type thing where she'd go in and, and take over and then make their computer, uh, use their computer email to, what do you mean? Maybe I'm, I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. Okay, when you go onto a website, the normal Joe goes onto a website, it gives your IP address. Right. Well, there's software out there that you can get where you can ping off of other people's IP addresses. I don't know exactly how it's done because I'm not a hacker. Okay, so what do you mean by ping? Well, when you... Okay, so let's say somebody starts hacking you. Okay. All right? Um, You can get an IP address. This is where Zone Alarm is really good because Zone Alarm will tell you exactly what IP address is hacking you, what they're trying to deposit on your computer... Okay, so, and the Who Is report where you can go and look up the IP address. Well, the IP address normally is blocked these days. You can't get very much information. So there is a way that you can go through your computer and ping back to see where that IP address goes. You can ping it back. 
And so I was being able to trace it off 33 computers at one point in time that she was skipping her signal off of her computer off of 33 other computers around the United States and into Canada. There was a loop that I traced. Do you think she has a conspiracy with other people? Do you think she's doing this herself? No. There's too much. No, I don't think she's acting alone. Right. And you want to know the kicker? Like, this isn't enough. She used to work for this bank. Oh, she did? She did. So so that's, who knows when she set up that that account. Maybe that's why they're involved with it, because maybe she's been in the account and stole money from the bank from other customers. And about a month or two before she was terminated, I'm not sure on the date, but she was terminated, uh, back doors to their bank was opened. Uh-huh. So that, now, did she have on her resume that she used to work for this bank? Yes. Oh, she did. So you at kn- the time, she was currently working at the bank. Remember, this has been going on for four years now. So when she started working for you as a webmaster, she was really working at that bank? She was working with them as a consultant and doing uh, part-time work with them on their oh, website. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And also a So you would system. think the FBI would get involved if they find out about this. I mean, obviously, if she's doing it to a little guy like you, there, you know, there's, right. there's deeper pockets in the bank. The FBI never got the reports from the police department because they kept closing them. Because when the FBI brought me in with the detective, he looked at the detective. No, he looked at me and he said, where's the police report? Why haven't you put together a police report? And I said, I filed seven. They kept closing him. And then he turned around, he slammed his hand on the desk in front of the detective, and he said, where are these reports? Right. Now, what's interesting to me, and this is is what happens, the bank itself fired her for, for cause. Exactly. And why didn't they, at that time, get the FBI, get the Homeland Security, get others involved? They didn't know. Yeah, no, 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 I bet you they did know, and I bet they just wanted her to go away because they didn't want it. Because once you have police reports and you indict someone, it becomes public record. And when it's public record, it can get into the publicity, and then the publicity will be looking bad for that bank. So that is why a lot of the times I can tell you about a lot of banks, believe me, from what I hear from victims and what I've dealt with victims and how I've settled with banks— they don't want this to be known because it will be an embarrassment for them. And, you know, that's why it, nothing was done when it was the, when the bank was hurt. They just fired her, tried to get rid of her, tried to just, you know, pick up the pieces. Exactly. And the other thing is, too, is that because law enforcement isn't being a participant in stopping these crimes, um, they're forcing businesses to take on a civil suit. And that civil suit, if you can find an attorney in your area, is going to be costing you a minimum of a million dollars to go. You know, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be civil because. Well, not only that, a lot of these people, if they're so good at doing this, they're good at hiding their money. So even if you sue them, how are you going to get something? I mean, you sue someone, and and the reason that you sue them is for an injunction or to get money. That these are crimes. These are cyber crimes. And most webmasters don't have a lot of money. So you're talking to a company, you know, PayPal experienced that, where they had to spend a million dollars on a lawsuit to go after somebody that was hacking them, 
and they didn't have any money. So if it's a civil Well, yeah, you don't do that. It it has to be criminal. The problem, and again, I'm I'm not uh, taking too much the side of law enforcement, but I have to tell you that law enforcement has not been the ones to cause the crime. They don't have the resources. No. There is not enough energy. I mean, basically, their their charge, unfortunately, is to deal first with real violent crime. That's what their charge is. And exactly. then, you know, whatever is left over, they'll have in the economic crime unit or the white-collar crime unit. And that is still the stepchild of the criminal justice system, and there's not enough money for it. And that's why these criminals do it, because they know that they're going to get away with it. I'm on all kinds of websites. I read up on this stuff constantly. And I have to tell you that most drug dealers are turning in their crack farms, their dope dealing farms, because there's more money in identity theft than anything else. And it's the easiest and nobody to really get you. Right. And you get a short, even if you do get caught, you're going to go for maybe a short time and get out. It's worth it to you because you're going to go back out on the streets and do it. You know, methamphetamine in your area, in fact, I met with Senator Feinstein and law enforcement up in Fresno two years ago. And there was a huge discussion with the senator about identity theft and methamphetamine and terrorism, diverting money, using identity theft, doing the kinds of things you're talking about, and diverting that money for terrorism. And so it really scared me when I heard you say that the money goes into a Los Angeles bank and then it's transferred to an Egyptian bank. Now, in that Egyptian bank, is anybody even looking into that bank and who's accessing that bank account? Oh, they won't release that information. I'm telling you that people start covering stuff up because it's too volatile. It's too huge. They, they don't have the resources to deal with it, so they kind of push the monster behind the door and they don't want to deal with it. I do want to tell you, though, that AT&T, for an uh, Internet provider, has been exceptional. I had a second-tier technician that I had his direct line that in the event that I would be hacked, they would be right there and go after the person. And I haven't had any problems since. But I had Comcast, and Comcast, you have to fax their legal department, which I was doing weekly for about nine months, (sighs) and they don't do anything. They will not respond. They don't investigate. They don't file any reports on their end. They, they didn't do anything. And I'm hoping that they changed that since then. This was probably three years ago. But AT&T has been the best and the most secure. So let me ask you, now are you being hacked anymore? No, nothing. Okay. So, so you have now got under your belt. What are you using to help people? Because Lloyd says we only have a, four minutes. And, and that's well, I want to caution people who buy routers, too, because we're led to believe that a router will thwart any kind of hacking. Well, there's a software called McSpoofing that opens up the back door in your toast. So a router, unless you know how to operate it and lock it down appropriately, it's not going to be any good for you. Right. And I'm not going to tell you what I have on my computer because that's part of the safety of it. Right. No, but what I'm saying is what kinds of... And you don't want to tell of, people. No, what kinds of... You don't have to tell me exactly what you have, but what you kinds... You have to create layers. Okay. Mm-hmm. You don't just have one thing. You have to create layers. You have to have a hardware device, 
and then you have to have software devices. Right. And don't tell anybody what you have. Because if anybody knows what you have on your computer, they just go to the site, the hacking site, they figure out how to hack it, and then you're toast. Let me ask you, Muggsy. So do you have a computer consultant that you trust now, or do you do this yourself? I do it myself. I don't trust anybody. If there's anything that I want to know, I do it myself. Oh, my goodness. That is just so like hard. Google. It's hard to do your own. This is what's so, I think, challenging for business people right now. And we have a lot of business people that drive by. And then, of course, we've got a lot of students because we're at the university here on the campus. But, you know, for those of us who are business owners like, like you and me, we are so busy trying to do our business. I mean, you're trying to run your website and, and do all the important things that you're trying to do. I'm trying to do my law office how can you be so adept at everything? I mean, you have to be able to hire people that you can trust. And so I think that's the I don't know how to do it. I, I haven't been able to find that balance because any time you let somebody into that back door, then they can get the information. So I do it all myself. But I had three companies, and I shut two of them down because I will not deal with this. I'll find another way to do what I'm supposed to do but I will not be on the Internet, and I will not run a company. It is just such a challenge. And in this day and age, when people are doing a lot of home-based business and and web-based business, it is really the Wild West out there. You don't know what to expect, and what you think you can trust, you can't trust. So I think if we can just do a couple bullet points of what people should be doing, they should be very careful who they do hire, right? Absolutely. I would hope that some schools would start to uh, certify people and bond them, and also they should have to register their IP addresses. That would hold them accountable. Right, right. And that would eliminate a lot of the problems right there. If they were, just like attorneys have to go through. Yes, guys are, right. Exactly. If they are being targeted right from the beginning and they know they're going to be watched and they're going to lose their income, they're going to stop. Right. They should be certified and there should be some level of of trust out there. Well, Lloyd says this is the end. Thank you so much, Muggsy. And thank you for being so brilliant and really learning and taking this this horrible uh, situation and really taking it to a higher level. We hope that there's going to be a really good book about this, not only to tell the story, but to tell what people really should be doing. So we thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for letting me tell my story because I really don't want anybody else to have to deal with what I went through. Just give your website now. I'm at psychicmugsy.com, and I spell Mugsy, M-U-G-Z-Z-I.com, and I am going to be posting my book on there. I'm hoping to have it up by the end of February. Kidok, well, thank you again. Thank you. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org. And we hope you'll join us every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on KUCI. And you can listen to our podcasts and download those podcasts and listen to the archived interviews, see who's coming up at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.